was a very brilliant sociologist, the best sociologist of the post-war era, probably the best social scientist who is notable for being a social scientist. I mean, I think Peter Dell Scott really built on his work and Mills died very young. I have a suspicion that he may have been poisoned. I, I recall reading years ago that he fell kind of ill uh, in the, after, at a debate all, over Cuba uh, and that he, his health deteriorated after that and uh, he died in his, like, in his 40s. And uh, I, when I look back at how brilliant he was and how he was sticking up for the Cuban Revolution uh, and how he died before Kennedy was assassinated even, even though he basically predicted the Cuban Missile Crisis very well in his book, The Causes of World War III, which was like uh, maybe his last work or his one of the last. Anyway, it was like a semi follow up to the power elite uh, then. But his his work just dealt with the power structure of the United States and how there wasn't much democracy. And we'll talk about him more in a later chapter. So I'm not going to go too deep into him now. But he wrote about the big three institutions and he said that they're also they're really interchangeable at the top. And that this this combined with the corporate mode of economic organization that eventually or initially emerged after the Civil War during the Gilded Age uh, and really rose uh, in America to, to, to dominate economic life, that it had become so powerful that it swept away the New Deal institutions such as they were. And that really big decisions were made in smaller and smaller circles. And uh, we're not even really privy to how they get made and who is making them and on what basis anymore. And this is kind of a, a crisis if you believe in any sort of uh, democracy. His own politics it, it were hard to pigeonhole because he's a materialist in his analysis. I mean, he sees economic organization driving things, but he's more sophisticated than generic Marxists. Uh, and, and so I, I think he occupies... Uh, I think a real evolution of what Marx was getting at, if you ask me, I think that he represents something uh, that is a better level of analysis than some of the people who strict, uh, stick to strict Marxism because, um, you know, people like uh, Parenti or people like Peter Del Scott, uh, even people like Susan Strange, you, you have structure, which Marxism, in, you know, doctrinaire Marxism does structure pretty well but you also have the agency given to certain actors because of the structure uh, of the, the the system and the class structure and so this is what mills was was trying to get at and other people have built on that too he actually said i'm a wobbly when it comes down to it meaning i'm a left anarchist which is a way of saying i'm i'm a kind of a marxist who is you know of the anarchist variety which when you look at what he was influenced by, because he wrote The Power Elite because he had read uh, Franz Newman's book Behemoth about the rise of Nazi Germany and how you could have the rise of this t uh, fascistic state in a, an advanced industrialized uh, nation state. And so he was alarmed by this and he thought that something like that could happen in the United States. And that motivated him to write The Power Elite, that this, that this top-down power uh, was becoming institutionalized and uh, predominating in American life. And so that was the direction that he, he went in. And so I, looking at that and thinking of being steeped in Mills as I was and reading Peter Dell Scott and Ola Tanander is another guy who wrote about the state. They, they, they go back and try to look at the dual state and the deep state. 
And Peter, before he started writing about the deep state, wrote about the deep political system, which was that, okay, you know you have the military and the police and so on in, in the United States. You have democracy, but then you also have the power of elites. And they're, they're often intertwined with shady economies like drug dealing, you know, opium, especially in, uh, in New England, all those fortunes, early capitalist fortunes in America came oftentimes from opium and from the slave trade. And so this is so America from the beginning was, you know, a capitalist enterprise, the Virginia Company in Jamestown, the Massachusetts Bay Company in Boston, uh, brought on by the enclosure movement in England, which sets off British imperialism and really is modern capitalism. People will say capitalism originated in, you know, Venice and other places. These were more like merchants and and trading entities that operated that way. Even the Netherlands, when they were really powerful, they, they were it was a slightly different kind of operation. And the British and even the Spanish were more like crudely plundering places rather than this kind of more commercialized corporate imperialism, which colonized North America uh, for the English and uh, allowed vast fortunes to be made, especially in opium and so the slave trade. And so that's where America always had this sort of deep, darker power that uh, was private power. It was private. It was private power, private power becomes a part of the regime, and I needed a way to incorporate that. Yeah, Aaron, I, I want you to be able to continue that thought there. I just wanted to, to jump in really quickly and point out that it, I, this is such a key detail to keep in mind in terms of understanding not only the history of capitalism, but understanding more specifically the history of imperialism and how in, inextricably linked capital has always been to the state since the emergence of capitalism, which, of course, happens around the same time of the emergence of European colonialism in the Americas and, and not just in the Americas, uh, but with the point you just made is so crucial because it inoculates people to this like Ron Paul libertarian idea of corporatism, right? They always talk about crony capitalism and cro- and corporate. They say the problem isn't capitalism. The problem is corporatism, but from the very origins of capitalism, capital has always been directly linked with the state and with organized crime. And you can go back to the, Dutch East India Company, the East India Trading Company, Britain's version. I mean, capital and, and of course, the companies you named that were the companies that founded the modern day United States. You know, these were colonial companies that were ultimately seeking profits. They weren't just doing it to spread the white man's burden. And in many ways, that kind of liberal idea that colonialism was motivated by pure white supremacy and the civilizational idea of spreading uh, Christianity or whatever. No, colonialism was to steal the resources and also labor through slavery of these countries that were being colonized. It wasn't because they wanted to spread Christianity. That was the justification ideologically used. And white supremacy was created as the justification for that colonial plunder. But if we don't understand that history, which we can't understand the history of the United States— or European colonialism without, then people get lost. And, and it makes sense that, you know, you have like this New York Times understanding of white supremacy, which is all purely motivated by racial animus, ignoring the fact that why was white supremacy created? It was created to justify the enslavement of African peoples. Like they didn't just slave, enslave African people because they thought African people were inferior. They enslaved African people because they needed to, they didn't need to, they wanted to exploit their labor. Their entire economy was built on exploiting their labor, the slave economy, the slaveocracy, 
And then they justified it through the creation of racism and white supremacy. So again, this is also the difference between a liberal analysis of history and a materialist analysis. And I think that's also why your perspective is so important and why I, I, mean, I really appreciate your book, because it, it actually has a materialist understanding of how we got to where we are, which isn't rooted in like these, these popular liberal tropes that we hear today. That was just an excerpt from the American Exception podcast. To hear the whole episode, as well as archived and new episodes, please subscribe to the American Exception podcast at Patreon. There's a link in the show notes, or you can just go to patreon.com slash American Exception. Subscribe and you can join us as we illuminate the dark side of the U.S. empire. 